New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Philip Goldberg. He's the author of Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, Powerful Tools to Cultivate Calm, Clarity, and Courage. I'm speaking with Philip at his home by remote connection. Phil, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Great to be with you, Justine. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you, too. You know, for over 50 years, you've been studying the world's spiritual traditions and spiritual practices. And in fact, you're a practitioner of meditation and other spiritual practices for many decades as well. And are spiritual practices a necessity or merely a luxury in these turbulent times? Well, to me, they've been a necessity uh, for as long as I've been doing them. And it, whether times are turbulent or peaceful, whether you're in uh, a great phase of your life or a troubling phase of your life, to me, they are necessities. And I would recommend, as I've done, to make them a regular part of my life as sort of spiritual maintenance the same way we do physical maintenance by you know, showering and eating properly and exercising. These are, and especially in turbulent times like the ones we're in now, they are necessary for self-preservation, for maintaining our stability and our sanity in the midst of it all, and for having a more uh, grounded platform for taking action in the world. So is this what you term in your book, pragmatic mysticism? Yes, I like that term uh, because I'm a very pragmatic person. And I think most, especially Americans, are pragmatic people. We want to do things that work for us, that benefit us, that have proven results in our lives. And to me, my approach to spirituality has always been pragmatic as has the approach of the world's mystical, the great mystical teachers, the yogis, the, the bodhisattvas, the swamis, the Christian mystics, the Jewish mystics, the Sufi masters. They were pragmatic in applying the discoveries of the inner life to everyday experience and creating a vast inventory of practices we can draw on. And the criteria for their use should be, are they changing my life in, in ways that are beneficial to me? And so hence, I like the term pragmatic mysticism. Mysticism meaning pointing to the inner spiritual dimension of life, pragmatic in that we do things that work. So that there are tangible benefits. Yes. You can actually reflect on them. Am I having a more well-being and the people around me, are they also have 
better well-being because of my actions? Yes. And, you know, do I have more calm? Do I have more inner peace? Do I have more clarity of mind? Do I have more equanimity when things erupt and go crazy? Do I recover more quickly? Do I get stressed out or, or do I maintain some balance in my life? Now, Phil, you've been practicing, as I said, for 50 years or so, you know, five Giving decades. away our age. I know, I know. We're getting long <laughs> in the tooth, aren't we? So is your life always reflective of equanimity, and is it all smooth going for you? Of course, Justine. <laughs> never, never a rough moment. I never would lose my temper or anything. Just ask my wife. No. <laughs> no, no, I think, you know, that's one of the illusions or misconceptions we have when we embark on a spiritual path. And it's, it's usually evidence-based because spiritual practices can be radically transformative. And in the early days, you know, my life changed really dramatically. So I thought it would just continue that way. And I remember these moments in my life where I lost my temper or I got really upset or I got very confused or deeply hurt. And I'd say, I thought I was past all that. Well, no, we're still human beings. We still have our own personalities, our own backgrounds, our own set of, you know, what the yogis call samskaras, you know, all the deposits of old past experience and wounds and everything else. We have flaws and foibles, and they're not going to disappear overnight. And circumstances can still throw us. And so, no, my life has its ups and downs, just like everybody's does. There's a line in the Bhagavad Gita that promises that, you know, spiritual development or the advanced yogis have equanimity and loss and gain, victory and defeat, pleasure and pain. It doesn't say there won't be pain. It doesn't say there won't be loss. It doesn't say there won't be defeats. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to die. You're going to get sick. Things are going to happen. So we need to cultivate the inner condition that allows us to adapt with grace and with some inner strength and peace to those circumstances, not that we expect them not to happen. You talk about having flexibility in our spiritual practice. A quote from your book is that you urge us to look into our spiritual pantry to find the ingredients most useful, the ones that fit our personal needs, predilections, and circumstances. So you are encouraging us to kind of fill our pantry with mm. things that we can call upon and that we practice regularly so it yes. becomes part of who we are. Yes, absolutely. You call it a spiritual pantry, call it an inventory, call it a repertoire. Uh, you know, these days, we, because of the Internet, we have almost immediate access to, you know, vast variety of teachings and practices. But even better is to have in our own lives, whether in written form or just in memory, by habit and experience, methods we know work for us, that we're drawn to, that have some proven value, even if we haven't tried them yet, but you know, someone recommends them and they feel good, to have them. And in the book, I have guidelines 
for how to construct a sort of more formal inventory by putting things in categories based on how much time they take. There are things you can do in a minute, things you can do in 30 seconds, things that if you have five minutes, you can do things that you can do in half an hour, in an hour, so on and so forth. And some of them are the same practices that can be done for different lengths of time. And some of them are traditional spiritual practices that you can draw from. But anything can be placed in a spiritual context of inner well-being. It doesn't have to be, you know, what is traditionally called a practice. You know, there may be a time when the, the exact right thing for that moment when something happens is to just turn on the right song. And it doesn't have to be a hymn or a chant from a spiritual tradition. You know, it could be, you know, Billie Holiday. It could be Beyonce. It could be anything that uplifts you and moves you and restores your sense of well-being. And there are many such things. You know, you could just go outside and breathe fresh air, take a walk around the block, have that inventory at hand so that you can adapt in addition to the things you do on a regular routine basis. I'm thinking one of the things that you talk about and you advise is that we can go to immediately and it seems to have a physiological result that's very positive and that's actually smiling. Just yes. This is fascinating to me. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh, the famous Buddhist teacher, would advocate smiling. And you think, oh, please, if you're not happy, if you're in bad mood, you know, what's smiling going to do? But it turns out, and I would invite your listeners to try this as we speak, there's actual brain research that shows if you smile, no matter what's going on, you know, in your mood or whatever, if you just part your lips in a smile, that smile shape, like, you know, someone was about to take your picture, it changes the brain chemistry. You actually feel different just doing that. And it's, it's absolutely remarkable, but it works. So that's something that's available to us at any moment. Yes. So as a person cuts us off on the freeway, if we just kind of yeah. smile and rather than react, uh, yeah. it might might make us even safer. Yes, and it's it's like you know taking a good deep breath and exhaling longer than the inhale. Just that little addition to taking a deep breath changes the brain chemistry. So these are what I would call our portable altar that we take with us all the time and we can tap into. Yes, very good. And there's many, many like that. that of course, I have in my book. Yes, and you mentioned many of them in your book. I want to thank you so much, Phil, for being with us today on the New Dimensions Cafe. My pleasure, Justine. Thank you. I've been speaking with Philip Goldberg by remote connection from his home, and he's the author of Spiritual Practice for Crazy Times, Powerful Tools to Cultivate Calm, Clarity, and Courage. If you want more information about the work of Philip Goldberg, 
you can go to his website, philipgoldberg.com. He spells his name Philip with one L, philipgoldberg.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.